All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. Your host, Tommy Tahoe here. It's where young salespeople come to get the facts, the inspiration, the education they need to progress in their career. Pump for today's episode. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I am very clearly uh, based on the beige behind me in a hotel room here in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, getting some shit done. So I'm on the road. Um, excited, really excited for this podcast today. I've got Ernest Owusu. Uh, Ernest is the Senior Director of Sales Development at Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense is one of the hottest SaaS companies in the world right now. They have funding out the wazoo. They're growing like crazy. Great tech. Um, it's it's really impressive, and um, you know it's actually BDR Appreciation Week coming next week, which they're you know one of the the lead uh, horses behind. And Ernest runs sales development there, and they're doing a lot of cool stuff for their sales dev team. So I wanted to have him on. Actually, this came from an episode I did with Pavilion. It was so good that I had to share it uh, back with you all. Um, I did have Ernest on about a year and a half ago. I think it's around episode 180. If you want to hear more about his background story, he played uh, in the NFL for a few years as a defensive end. He was, uh, you know, at school at at Cal Berkeley, playing football, got into sales, loved sales development, um, and then got into Sixth Sense and has been growing and climbing up the ranks there for the last few years. Um, you know, big on prospecting, big on fanatical prospecting by Jeb Blunt, um, huge on the culture creation, and he's got a few acronyms that we get into today about. How he builds, um, you know, trust with the team. How he builds this culture. How he builds a career development framework for SDRs and, and even SDR leaders. So if you're an SDR right now, if you are uh, an SDR leader or an aspiring SDR leader, there's a lot of great info here. Um, and so I did want to shout out anyone that's in the field making those cold calls this week and next week for Appreciation Week. That keep doing your thing. I hope this. Uh, gives you some inspiration. I hope this gives you some wisdom that you can take with you. Um, real quick, before we get to the conversation, do me a solid. There's no ads on this podcast right now. So just show some love, subscribe wherever you're listening. If it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, et cetera, leave a review and then follow me on LinkedIn, Tom Alemo. I post every single day about sales and growth mindset, and I'd love to see you there and hear your feedback. So without further ado, let me get to my conversation with the bold and powerful Ernest Owusu. Let's go. All right, Ernest Owusu, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Pavilion Podcast. How are you, man? I'm great. Great. Happy hump day. You know, happy to be here. Can't complain. <laughs> I love it, man. Last time we talked, you were in the initial stages of uh, of raising triplets, uh, and now we're at like the are they did they hit the two year birthday? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, and they're not quite two yet. Um, they're actually they'll be two in late March, but I will say things are definitely getting real to say the least over here. It's been it's been been pretty crazy to see what they've been doing. They're starting to talk a little bit and running around, and uh, it's been a lot of fun though. That's awesome. I remember how. You know, one thing that stood out to me last time we talked was you just talking about your your routine, your schedule. I forget the exact specifics, but, you know, you were waking up super early every day, four or five in the morning mm -hmm. um, to, you know, work out, to get work in early um, and, and just really try to, like, set a lot of discipline around your life. I'm, I'm curious how how the triplets <laughs> have have kind of uh, 
you know, thrown themselves upon you and how you've made adjustments to balance, you know, being there for them, probably working from home uh, still and, and, you know, making sure you get the work done and everything like that. Yeah. So th that was definitely something that I learned from my athletic career of just being the early worm, getting the early, you know, Sunday early and making sure that I'm taking advantage of the day. Um, that was a lifestyle. Now it's basically a mandate. <laughs> Actually, like, I have no choice but to be up early because these kids are running around. But obviously, you know, the good thing about it is, you know, still even waking up before the crack of dawn around four or five every single day. Um, still allows me to get a lot of work done and be productive even before sometimes they do wake up. But uh, periodically they will poke their heads out and start screaming and, and running around before the day starts. So I'm definitely well prepared, I will say the least, to uh, to handle that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, the reason uh, we're here today to talk is uh, we got SDR Appreciation Week. Uh, when this lot, when people are listening to this, it'll it'll probably be the Monday of of the actual week itself. We'll be in the midst of it. So. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, you're one of the, the, you know, I think most influential voices in the SDR world and in the SDR leadership world with just everything that you've built, um, you know, within the last, you know, five, 10 years of your career, uh, you know, post-athletic and getting into the sales and leadership world. So maybe you could just educate me a little bit. Uh, I don't even know much about SDR Appreciation Week. So mm -hmm. is it, is there, is it something that you guys just came up with? Is it a real um, like industry-wide thing and like what's the what's kind of the purpose and background behind it? Yeah, would love to explain that. So <clears throat> I guess this actually marks year three of doing BDR Appreciation Week. And, you know, what it all stems from the fact is something that I think a lot of companies inherently know is that BDRs are at the tip of the spear. They are, you know, one of the most important aspects of making an organization thrive. And at the end of the day, people just don't appreciate the work they do. And this isn't necessarily to say that, you know, everyone deserves to be overpraised and we want to make sure that, you know, all of us are feeling good. But the reality is there has been some kind of perception that uh, BDR, the BDR job is really easy. It's something that, you know, just an entry level role. We don't really care what they're doing. We're just gonna, we just need them to basically do their job and basically, you know, smile and doubt, right? Uh, and the reality is that is not what this role is about. And creating an environment where we can take one week per year to just sit down and acknowledge truly how hard of a job this is and how complicated it can be as well as what the team goes through day in day out is honestly something that I would have really appreciated when I was personally a BDR and I know that you know as we enter our third year of doing this that you know we saw especially with last year right that you know this whole BDR appreciation thing honestly went viral throughout LinkedIn where you know, SDR, BDR teams across the globe in, you know, the US and EMEA, APAC, all over the place were spending time to like really focus in on their team, making sure they're feeling appreciated. And it's it's honestly the status quo now. Like we need to have this as something that remains intact because it is a hard role, one of the most, one of the most difficult roles within a revenue organization. And people need to realize that and recognize it because at the end of the day, a lot of people who have not done the role truly don't understand what it takes to be successful BDR. Mm. And so what, what, it, like during BDR appreciation week, like what's, what's top of mind for you, like in terms of, you know, trying to make them feel appreciated, like how would you go about doing that? Is it, is it a LinkedIn post? Is it a team meeting? Is it shouting people out internally? Like, how do you handle it? And how have you seen, I know what, when it went viral last year, like what were some of the ways that kind of like caught your attention of, uh, of ways that leaders kind of showed respect and admiration to the team? Yeah, definitely. And I think they're, you know, every team is unique. So I think all the leaders out there can spend different ways to better appreciate their teams 
over here at Six Sense, we have a couple things in store. And I will mind you, mind you, Peter Appreciation Week is the the last week of February. I think the last week. It's the week of uh, February 21st through 25th. Uh, so that's kind of when everyone should mark it out of the calendars. And we're going to take some measures over here to help other organizations find ways to best celebrate their teams. But what I did see last year in the, in the past couple of years is a simple shout out on LinkedIn of your top performers, of people who are doing really well, uh, has been helpful. One thing we've also seen is when people actually spend the time to have executives sit down and watch what BDRs are doing to learn about the role, that's also been great. Uh, but again, also giving BDRs the opportunity, maybe like on an all hands call or an opportunity where they can share more broadly with the organization of like what they're actually doing to try and generate meetings. Um, that Those are some things that we've done over here. We've seen other companies do really well. Uh, but again, it, it is important to know that every team is different. Know your team, know kind of how they'll feel appreciated and use those measures to make sure uh, they're getting the love they deserve. I love the idea of having them run their own meeting or, or speak at a meeting. It probably kills two birds with one stone, right? Because you as a leader are always trying to think of content to provide the team, uh, to run the team meeting. Here's how we do A, B, or C. And if you have someone that's killing it, uh, one, it takes the workload off of you. And two, it, it helps them to kind of shine through, um, to build their chops a little bit and to, you know, share what's worked with that, you know, BDR um, across the org. So I, I love the idea of doing that. Um, one, one thought I just had is, you know, I see people shout out their team members on LinkedIn. Sometimes I actually saw one this morning um, from a colleague at Gong. Is there ever in the back of your mind that thought, though, if I put my best BDR and I shout them out on LinkedIn, that now all of a sudden all these recruiters are going to know <laughs> that this BDR and she's killing it and she's leading the team and now she's going to get 30 in mails? Yeah, I, mean, I will say it definitely does come to mind. But what I try and do in that situation is, you know, at the end of the day, this is about them. Like, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, if I'm shouting out my top performers, other companies are going to realize that and probably start trying to reach out to them. Uh, but this is more of an opportunity for me to take care of them. And th that is obviously something that I think leaders think about and are conscious of as they're giving these recognitions. But at the end of the day, this time in particular is, ma is made to make sure that these you know BDRs that we have are doing an awesome job are feeling appreciated. And if that's something that I have to risk for my top performers, then so be it. You know, I feel confident in. Uh, you know, the program we're running over here and our, our retention rates with, with our BDR team. So it's not necessarily something that um, I'm too nervous about, but <laughs> I will say I can understand if others are as well. Yeah, I I think that's that's probably the, the right way to think about it. But um, I'm sure if, there's always that selfish part in the back of your head, like, man, I hope my top my top player doesn't leave me because I was you know, appreciating them too publicly. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um. <laughs> So what's, we talked, you know, 18-ish months ago, um, and we were, you know, in the first, you know, probably six months of COVID, a lot was changing. We just kicked off the new year. What are some of the, the trends and, and ideas and, and changes that you're seeing across just the BDR world, whether it's for leaders or, or the BDRs themselves, um, that's standing out to you? And maybe it's, it's a, a tactic, maybe it's, you know, there's so much new sales tech that's coming into the, into the fold. Um, new ideas, new trainings, like just curious if there's anything top of mind that you're, that has been really successful for you or you're keeping your eye on um, for the rest of this year. Yeah, I, I would, I'd say, you know, as we enter into what is this now going to two years uh, post pandemic, um, the one thing that I saw across all revenue orders, regardless of what industry you're in is some of the reliance of your more um, traditional forms of generating meetings, of generating pipeline, having conversations were 
uh, becoming a lot more difficult, in particular, some things with trade shows and, and things of that nature. So having a lot more reliance on data as the means to why and how you're making actions, as well as how you're trying to generate conversations became even more prominent. And we're still seeing that to this day. So, you know, for our team, you know, I think fortunately with what we do at Sixth Sense, like it's our product very much aligns to helping companies you know, use data to make better decisions to ultimately build pipeline and, and, you know, get to where they want to go from a revenue standpoint. Um, but I, I have noticed that um, as people have realized that it can be a bit more challenging given the current environment, that that's really important. Um, I think secondly, one thing that people were really apprehensive about and nervous about is this concept of the BDR team has to always be in the office. And, you know, with your, your power hours you're doing, your call blitzes of rallying the troops around each other, um, you know, if you don't have that environment that you just cannot succeed, I think, you know, speaking from personal experience, you know, from our team as well as from others, uh, I think a lot of people have proven that, yes, it is impactful and better for culture, for for getting everyone together and, and driving uh, results to have people in person. But there are teams that are finding ways to win, which which is really promising to see. And, you know, on our team here at Sixth Sense, we've found ways to make that work and to still get the job done, do it really well. At times when, you know, before Omicron came around, you know, we were trying to find our way into the office when we could. But uh, in general, uh, we've been able to adapt and have been able to see a lot of organizations adapt as well, which has been pretty cool. What are some of the ways that you've adapted from, you know, the sales pit and, and all the different ways that you can, you know, more easily create camaraderie, motivation, um, accountability, um, all of that? Like, how have you brought that to the digital world the last two years? Yeah, and I will say it, it that is challenging, right? So, you know, there's nothing there's nothing uh, more motivating than having a power hour where you're sitting right now, right next to the person making calls, hearing them win, and you getting competitive and wanting to do it together with them. So we we've definitely adjusted. Like on our side over here, we do our power hours through Zoom. So everyone can kind of be on the call together. And when someone does get a connect and someone will pause and listen to their call and congratulate when congratulate them when we win. Uh, we also do a lot of virtual events. Like uh, we try to have some kind of team event towards the tail end of the year. And this year, because of everything going on, we're going to do a virtual game night, which, you know, we've, we've brought a company on. We're all really excited about that. Um, you know, again, it, it's the, the in-person feeling is something that I really, really miss. I think our team definitely misses. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that everyone's getting an overall better experience the best that we can. And, um, you know, using these sessions like our power hours or our, our virtual game nights have been really effective and helpful for us to retain our culture. And uh, we're going to continue to continue to keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the, the so the Zoom power hour. You get all the all the BDRs, you know, on a Zoom call. Is everyone making calls like on mute and then you unmute if you get someone live or are you going like one at a time? call and if you know it's voicemail you leave the voicemail and it goes on to the next person yeah so we actually because obviously if we're leaving voicemails we don't want to just sit there on a zoom and everyone's talking at the same time yeah. so we are primarily staying on mute but once someone goes off off mute then that's kind of where we use as a mechanism to share how the call is going and gather feedback we also use sales engagement tool sales loft which has been really effective for just our live call studio so we can see uh, how the calls are going, uh, you know, passing feedback to one another, but uh, unmuting yourself during our power hours has been our, our best way to kind of share the experience and pass feedback to others in, in live real situations. I love it. Do you ever get in or do the leaders ever get in and like make a call or, or anything we, like that? We definitely do. And you know, I will say I would highly encourage every so often for leaders to do that. And the reason why I say that is because, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to, to my sports background, but, you know, selling is 100% a skill calling, in my opinion, is 100% a skill very similar to 
you know, and I hate to use a sports analogy, but that's my background, so I'll use it. <laughs> but it's very similar to like playing basketball, shooting free throws, right? You know, you can be the best free throw shooter in the world. And if you take six months off, your game is going to be off, right? Mm-hmm. So your ability to coach and help people shoot is obviously going to be off as well. So, uh, you know, it is a skill that has to be constantly refined. And there's nothing wrong with getting the pit and making some calls and failing with your team and uh, doing all that because uh, it, it is fun and does help the team feel as if uh, we're in it together to win as a team. So I definitely encourage that. And that's the key too, is that just because you're the leader doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Doesn't mean that they're going to answer. And if they answer, doesn't mean that you're going to get a meeting every time. You know what I mean? It's you're just as likely to fail as, you know, the, the SDR BDR that just started a few months ago, because so much of it is out of your control, right? You can try to do follow the right tactics, but, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game and it almost might make people feel better to see you fail because then it, it normalizes that, hey, you know, at least I'm not, you know, it's not that I suck. It's just like, this is a tough job. 100%. And one thing we we harp on here, which I'd highly encourage others if they're not thinking this way is, you know, we try to focus more on the process of how we're getting a result as opposed to the actual result, right? So if I'm in a situation where I'm doing a call, like I care about like following through all the way from start to finish my calling funnel. And the reality is sometimes following that process won't net the results I'm looking for. But if I execute that task fully every time in in the best efficient manner uh, of my process, then that will net the results I'm looking for in the long run. So it's actually okay if I'm on a call and I get hung up on three times in a row or get yelled at from a prospect in front of my entire team. I actually don't care about that. The thing I care the most about is making sure that and this, this extends to every kind of prospecting tactic too. It doesn't necessarily have to only be calls, but I care more about my team seeing that I'm following the process of how we want to call, how I want to execute my emails, how we want to do our social outreach to the T, because that consistency around doing that is what will net the results you're looking for. Hmm. When I think about SDR, BDR Appreciation Week, or when any of these things come up, and it could be, you know, whatever, Mother's Day or Father's Day or all these different holidays and weeks and months and everything that we've got, sometimes people say, well, you know, every day should be Mother's Day, right? You should appreciate Mm -hmm. your mother every day or whatever it might be. You should appreciate BDRs every week. And I know that based on our last conversation that you have a very um, thoughtful framework around how you appreciate BDRs in terms of their career progression, their career growth, their skills development, things like that. Um, so I'd love for you to just unpack that a little bit because I, while it's important to highlight the week, I think it's also important to build out the framework at your company to make sure that the BDRs you know, have a fulfilling place to work the rest of the year as well. So um, I'd love for you to unpack that. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> I would definitely say for any leader that is in some capacity working with BDRs, whether directly or indirectly, it is mission critical that you uphold the culture that a BDR team actually needs to thrive, as well as make sure that you're doing whatever you can to support them. And, you know, I think about myself as a leader or even other leaders that um, are, are tasked with leading BDR teams, the, the servant leadership mentality is something that is very much true. Uh, and in, in my opinions, uh, should be a cornerstone for how uh people are leading BDRs. And the reason for that is because when you bring on a BDR to your team, they're essentially getting a crash course, a crash course in revenue generation, whether that's, you know, the fact that they're a part-time marketer, 
a little bit of ops in there as well as a salesperson. It is our job as BDR leaders to make sure that every single step they take is progressing them forward to learn how to be the best version of whatever they may become, right? So uh, from a career development standpoint, just putting things in place for uh, giving them opportunities to learn about marketing, giving them the opportunity to learn about how to be a salesperson, uh, giving them opportunities to gather feedback on how they're doing with those things. Um, if you don't have those things in place, and in my opinion, you're kind of cutting your team short, um, but in terms of the culture, like one thing that we really harp on here at Sixth Sense is um, we have this we have this acronym that uh, we tie to our values, which stands for family. Family is fun, accountability, mindfulness, integrity, love, and yes. And every single week, without fail, on our BDR all hands calls, our standups, uh, we highlight one person on the team that best embodies that culture. Not because you know we want to constantly praise and over praise the team, make everyone feel good, but for the fact of the matter is this is a really hard job and the, the team needs to know that uh, the culture that we have is going to basically determine success and failure in their overall experience. And I have to have an environment where it's constantly reinforced to make sure the team is feeling appreciated and they are taken care of. And if it's something that you're not talking about on a regular basis, then it kind of falls to the wayside. And that's where you have environments where BDRs maybe don't feel as much appreciation or feel as much support. Is that acronym for the BDR org or is that company wide? Company wide, we all we all stand up to it. Um, but it's something that we've, you know, for my past almost three years, I've been here at Six Sense. Literally every single week, we harp on it. I love that. And the thing is that you know some of those, um, you know, some of the letters there, like accountability, integrity, whatever it might be, those don't necessarily mean that you had the best week of cold calling. It doesn't mean you booked the most meetings if you had integrity or account. Often accountability comes when you you fail at something, right? Or you mess up and you, you're accountable to it. So I love the idea of, of praising not only the result, but, you know, kind of the characteristics that make up someone that's going to be successful. And it, it doesn't matter that you had a bad day or week that you still did the right thing. And that's going to pay off in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll even touch on that, too, is like, you know, again, being a BDR is a really hard job. A lot of people who have not done the role at times struggle understanding what it's like. When I look at BDR teams, we got to stay close together. We got to take care of each other and building a culture that is constantly refined and harped on and people are looking out for opportunities to see when people are best embodying that is a really strong mechanism to do that because, again, it is a hard job and uh, it's something that has to be top of mind for the team to feel motivated and to feel supported to the best of their ability. I want to run a, a, an idea by you. Um, as you know, you we're both to call us both former athletes is, is almost unfair to you because I was a D2 tennis player and you played in the NFL, but let's just say I, I admire your, your, uh, your background, um, in athletics. And I heard a, a story recently from, uh, Jordan Burroughs. He's a, uh, a gold medalist, uh, uh, us Olympic wrestler. Mm -hmm. And it's on the topic of, uh, participation trophies and, you know, the general thought is like, you know, millennials and Gen Z and everyone is getting all these participation trophies and it's making us soft. And he said, you know, actually, I remember when I was first wrestling and, you know, I got my ass kicked and I got a participation trophy and he was however old, 10 years old. And um, it was the thing that kept him going. He was like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, this this trophy is cool. I want to go out and like go to the next meet and try to do a little bit better and do a little bit better. And I was thinking about that and in the context of being a BDR, especially the first year of being a, a BDR, being in sales, it just, it's just hard. It, it can just suck. Like getting told no, getting hung up on, you know, trying to figure all this out. 
And I almost am comparing his story to, you know, making those BDRs feel appreciated in that first year for doing the right things, not always just for the results, in that it might just help them get through that really tough time in the first six, 12 months so that they figure it out. And then all of a sudden their career takes off. Just, I'm curious, I haven't tested this theory. You're the first person I'm, I'm saying it to, but just curious, like what your take is on that. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting uh, thing. You know, when I think about BDR teams, you know, it, you do need that thing to get you going because especially if you're in an organization where you're getting constant rejection on the phone, through email, through social, you have to have some kind of North Star that's guiding you. Otherwise, you're just not going to succeed. And whether that comes in the form of uh, a weekly shout out from your manager or uh, a participation trophy every single week or every single time you make a call that doesn't go well, uh, there does have to be that one thing that you're looking towards. And uh, what I'd highly encourage for anyone who you know does have a BDR team that maybe has a lot of high rejection, which a lot of the a lot of the BDR teams definitely do have, is to really hunker down and help the team understand what their north star is. And the the thing that I've always noticed with BDR orgs is the three guiding principles that kind of keep people going and allowing them to push through the hard times, aside from like what we do on BDR Appreciation Week, is a concept I call like the three C's. So it's a focus on career development, on your culture, as well as your compensation. With those three things in mind, you always have something that you can lean towards when things aren't going well or things are hard as to like, this is where I want to go. This is how things are. This is how well I'm getting paid. And based upon those three mechanisms, they kind of help people. And everyone's different, right? Like, you know, we see at times that in sales, everyone, some people will say, I'm not money motivated, right? Well, maybe you're career motivated, or maybe you're motivated by working at a company that uh, treats its employees really well. But as long as you have a strong understanding of each person on your team and how he or she is best motivated, that will help them get through those times. I, I definitely have to see it, say that I lean a bit more on the camp of not giving a trophy every single week. I think yeah. BDR Appreciation Week is an awesome opportunity to give the team some love and some praise. But if you don't want to basically do the participation trophies every single week uh, really knowing what your team cares about and what motivates them is probably the most important thing uh to give them the love and support they need i love it i appreciate you uh dealing with me on that that thesis it's a, <laughs> it's a work it's a work in progress for sure um i i want to pivot for a minute to you know for some of the the bdr leaders out there uh that are hiring so i had an instance i, I told you a little bit about this before but i've got two people in my family that are um, seniors in college, they're interested in, in sales, want to break into tech, SDRs. And so I figured, hey, I'll, I'll throw out a post on LinkedIn and just see like, you know, maybe one or two SDR leaders I know will come in and, you know, they get an interview or, or at least look at their resume. And it was crazy. It was one of the most engaged posts I've ever had. Um, I mean, I got dozens and do I think I had like a hundred something comments and I had two dozen people just go straight to the DMs and say, give me their resume or make the even just blind intro. Uh, I don't even need to look at the resume, just, just intro me to them. <laughs> um, and I don't think that is because I'm special or because I'm cool. It, it seems like there's just a massive uh, shift in terms of, of the power and in terms of like the supply and demand of high quality BDRs and SDRs to the way that, that tech companies are growing. Um, I'd love to just hear like how you're handling that and you know, like, how are you going about searching out and keeping a healthy pipeline right now where it just seems super competitive on your side to, to find the right people? Yeah, I will say it is far more competitive than it's ever been. And, you know, I, I definitely look at that as a testament to the fact that 
more and more organizations are truly seeing the value of having an SDR org, BDR org. Um, yeah, I think the only way I can put it is like, you know, more organizations are seeing the value in it. I think the game is up leveling. It's not anymore a, a true smile and dial situation where you just pick up the phone, see a list and just call down them. You have to be a little more strategic and thoughtful with how you're, you're doing your outreach. So when I look at the fact that more organizations are seeing the value in it, I'm looking at the fact that it's actually a lot more difficult of a job and continues to be a more difficult job. Uh, it does create an environment where you got to really like expand across your network, talk to a lot of people, go to events, uh, and just try and find opportunities to add to your team. And uh, those aren't always easy to find, especially given the fact that there are more opportunities for other people uh, to take uh, SDR, BDR roles in other organizations. What would be your number one tip to an SDR or aspiring SDR, BDR um, that wants to to get in the door with your org, um, what's like the number one thing that they can do to stand out in the interview process? Yeah, sure. So we have our, our principles that we look for uh, when it comes to hiring uh, SDRs and BDRs, and a couple of them are. It's actually this actually comes from a book um, called Leading Sales Development, which pulled data from I think Sales Loft, Alpha Sense, as well as, as well as Salesforce around what are the main qualities and traits that we're looking for when it comes to hiring SDRs and BDRs. Uh, so some of them are a little bit more challenging for people to, to do initially. Um, one of them is business acumen, having grit, having a sense of conscientiousness, which is essentially being very thoughtful with every single thing you're doing. A natural form of curiosity is important. So those are things that we look for. Now, in terms of preparing for an interview, which I would say, whether that's our company at Sixth Sense or other organizations, being truly curious about the company and what they do will shed light to basically helping you do all those aspects to make you set out in your interview process. So if you really actually care about the product, where they're going, you know, who they're selling to, why, things of that nature, it'll show your interview process, which, which will also help you demonstrate your overall ability to be effective within uh, the entire process. So, um, and there are also other aspects too. Like if you've never been in an SDR, BDR role, there are amazing organizations, you know, like a, like a FlockJ, SG Academy, Vendition, you know, us in technology. There are a lot of organizations that help people learn how to become SDRs and BDRs. I think even Salesforce has a course on Coursera that helps you just learn how to do the role. There's no harm in doing that and talking to a potential hiring manager around what that experience was like for you, but also to help you understand what the role is actually about. So um, I highly encourage people who would know nothing about the role, which I will say when I first started, I knew nothing about being an SDR um, to at least explore some of those things and to be naturally curious about what the role entails, what the company's looking for, and that'll help you as you're preparing. And most of those uh, are free resources mm -hmm. exactly. for the SDR at least. And so you can take a course, you can learn how to use Salesforce and, you know, learn cold call and email best practices and all this. And I mean, you'll look like a stud in the interview process if you know that stuff versus someone that, that doesn't. Um, exactly. And it doesn't, it just costs you time and, and energy. 100%, exactly. All right, Ernest, I want to hit you with a couple uh, rapid fires for the audience to get to know you a little bit better as we're in the, the back part of the interview process. So I remember last time we chatted, you mentioned um, Fanatical Prospecting, I believe, by Jeb Blunt as a book that uh, was really helpful for you in your career. Um, so one, can you confirm that? And two, any others that have stood out to you? Uh, they could be business or sales books. They could be a completely different genre, but but anything um, as of late or anything else that's been really impactful for you to read? Yeah, so I will definitely say Fanatical Prospecting is is my Bible, if you want to call it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, good, it's a really strong book. If you 
are looking for anything tactically, mindset-wise, whatever it may be, I highly encourage everyone to take a look at that. I also encourage people to take a look at just anything in general mindset-focused around, um, you know, up-leveling your game and how you want to attack your sales career. And the reason why I say that is because, again, being in sales, being an SDR, being a BDR is very much of a skill. And you like your mindset is essentially the foundation that allows you to build the skills to help you get the results you're looking for. And without a strong mindset, or at least the practice of making your mindset even stronger, uh, then your ability to reach your potential is, is at time at times can be diminished. So um, I think tactically, a bit, you know, on the mindset on the mindset side, financial prospecting is still my best. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'd also encourage others to look at any kind of mindset books as well because those are typically the foundation for what helps fuel. Uh, how you're selling and how you're prospecting. Any any mindset books stand out to you? There's a book called Mindset. <laughs> Actually, I love that one. I don't know who the author author is, but uh, that's the one. Carol Dweck. Exactly. Yeah. So my wife's a coach. We've actually both read it together. So I, I'd encourage everyone to uh, to read that one. Okay. Yeah. That that's a top five, probably all time for me. It, it, it blew my mind. I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, okay. Who? else in the in the you know kind of like sales sales development world uh do you follow and, and take good advice from whether it's on linkedin podcast youtube blogs newsletters what however you like to learn um who are some people that have stood out to you yeah so i'd say if there's one person i'd highly encourage sdrs to take a look at uh it's kyle coleman i think kyle mm -hmm. coleman's comment is really strong um in terms of career development in terms of how to craft an email in terms of how to uh, navigate the org as an SDR, he's consistently been a really strong voice out there to champion SDRs. Um, I, I definitely focus in on him. I'd say if I had to name one other person, um, though he's not very active on LinkedIn, I think for SDR leaders, a really strong leader is Lars Nielsen. Um, mm -hmm. He's been someone that, you know, he's currently now at Snowflake. Um, if you're ever looking to at someone to model your career around or uh, someone who's kind of built an SDR org and done it in, a, in an awesome way. He's definitely one of the, the people at the forefront of that. So uh, I'd say Kyle Coleman from a pure content standpoint of what he puts out there and to help SDRs. But I think for SDR and BDR leaders, Lars has always been um, one of the best out there. So um, finding a way to mirror to some degree what he's doing is definitely something I encourage people to do. Yeah, a lot of respect uh, for Lars. And uh, Kyle Coleman, he's top top 1% in terms of tactical content on mm -hmm. LinkedIn to follow both for leaders and for SDRs. I, mm -hmm. um, I'm in the frontline manager school at Pavilion. Um, and he actually ran it. it KD Kevin Dorsey's running it like the whole thing, but he stepped in, uh, Kyle did yesterday, uh, to run a session. And the dude is just, I mean, he's just, he just nails everything. He's just super thoughtful, mm -hmm. dialed in, has done it before, um, at multiple companies. So, I would second that vote for sure. He's, he's great. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, Ernest, what is bumping in the uh, Spotify, Apple music, wherever you're, you're playing tunes at? what's going <laughs> in the headphones nowadays? That's a great question. Um, you know, I will say, um, I don't know when or how this happened, but I think maybe randomly I was on YouTube one day, but lo-fi music has been in heavy rotation for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but you know, in, in particular, 80s and 90s hip hop with lo-fi, I've been all over that. So um I can't say it's one artist or a particular playlist, but it's just the lo-fi music's been getting me going. Man, that's it's crazy you say that because um that's the same for me. I don't know, maybe the last like three to six months. I clicked it once because I didn't even know what that meant. 
And for people that aren't aware, it's kind of like a, a, ch a chiller version of like hip hop beats. And um, it's great to work to and great to kind of like focus in on. And now every time I go on YouTube, it's like, what if Wu-Tang Clan made Lo-Fi? What if Drake made Lo-Fi? What if Kanye West did? And so it's their music, but it's kind of like slowed down the, or changed the beat a little bit. And it's like, it's addicting. I don't know what's going on with it uh, or if it's a brand new genre, but I'm all in on it too. Yeah, it's the exact same. That's actually how I start most of my days, to be honest. So it's, yeah, I'm into it. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. What is your number one networking tip for people? Hmm. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, if I can give people one piece of advice on that, I'd say sometimes a lot of people isn't necessarily as good as the right people. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're networking, like have a reason as to why you're doing it. Like, are you trying to find a job? Are you trying to uplevel your game? Are you trying to um, like build opportunities, just from a sales perspective, build opportunities within your business? Like know what you're trying to do and target those people accordingly. It's not always about just like setting up blind connection requests to everyone because they're in your network and, you know, they could have a conversation with you. Like be really intentional with why you're doing it and focus on the people you want to have a conversation with. I love it. My last rapid fire for you is who would you like to see come on this podcast next? Hmm, that's a great question. <laughs> I had to hit you with the referral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I could think of one person. Uh, hmm. It's a toughie. It's a toughie. You can um, do multiple if you want. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think one thing that I would love to see is um, I'm part of this organization called Sales for the Culture, uh, yep. where we basically help. Um, people either coming into tech or currently in tech and sales roles, black individuals coming to tech or already in sales, just have a voice or an opportunity to share perspectives and learn from each other. Um, you know, we've been in running for, I guess, two years now, maybe more than two years. So we have some awesome leaders over there like Jacob and, and Shelton and Marcus as well, who I think they might've been in some podcasts, maybe not through um, Pavilion, but uh, I always appreciate their perspectives. And um, I think they'd be really strong people to have a conversation with. I know, I know who Marcus Knight is. What were the, sorry, what were the first two uh, people's names? Jacob and, and Shelton. I'll, I'll pass you their LinkedIn afterwards, but they've okay. been cornerstones in, in helping us uh, build our program. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I had, um, I had Nikki Ivy on my pod uh, in December and she introduced me to Marcus. So, um, but I don't, I don't think I know the other two. So I'd love the intro. Yeah. For um, sure. uh, before we uh, head off, Ernest, I know like one, obviously, you know, kind of like put a bow on this BDR appreciation week and what we've talked about. I know that, that the folks over at Six Sense are doing a lot to help encourage that, to help kind of like blow this up a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. even more than, than the virality it had last year. So I'd love for you to just, you know, kind of like educate the audience a little bit on um, how they can get involved, what they should be looking out for, things like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, BDR Appreciation Week is February 21st through 25th. Uh, I think an easy way for companies to get involved is we're going to give people the opportunity to either have BDRs or SDRs non nominate themselves or leaders within the organization nominate some of their top BDRs. And we'll share some awards uh, that they can basically place people in. And there will be an award ceremony on February 24th. And aside from that, like, you know, feel free to follow me. Feel free, feel free to follow our CMO, Latney. 
Lanny Conan, and I'll, I'll pass that over to you so you can uh, pass it to everyone else. But um, both of us are, are you know, basically championing this to the best of our ability because we obviously know what it's like. And Lanny was actually, I will say, our CMO Lanny was a BDR for a day a couple years ago. So she Ooh. she she got on the phones, was making some calls, doing some videos. So she knows what it's like. I like that. Um, so we're definitely we're, we're championing this, and it's definitely an opportunity for organizations to step up and, and really just for one week, one week in the year, uh, show some love to their BDRs and look out for us as well as our organization sharing information to help people find ways to do that. But I think a really easy way is our award ceremony we're having on the 24th and uh, the opportunity to nominate uh, some individuals. Awesome, man. Um, so we will let everyone know about the links to that and help promote those as well. Um, I assume in general, you're going to be posting about some of this on LinkedIn. So it's probably good to either connect with you or follow you on there. Yep, I would I agree with that. Yeah, so it'll, there'll be a couple of things we'll do weekly throughout throughout February, but I think the uh, the culminating point will be our award ceremony. So uh, look out for my content because I'll definitely be posting. Awesome. Yeah, I highly encourage everyone to uh, to check Ernest out, uh, both for BDR Appreciation Week, but just in general um, when he's posting great and thoughtful um, advice. Hit him up on LinkedIn. My last question for you: I couldn't let you go without asking a football question. Who's got the Super Bowl? This year, my Patriots got just embarrassed on Saturday, um, but I figure you've been in the NFL, you know <laughs> who you got. You know, it's interesting. So I'm definitely biased, to say the least, towards yeah, the Bucks. I um, you're gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, I biased towards that. the Bucks too because I like Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, don't don't count out playoff Tom. So that's all I gotta say with that. Um, he's gonna find a way to win and. Um, you know, though there was a wild card, I still feel like there's a pretty good shot that we'll make it to the Super Bowl again. Awesome. All right, Ernest, I appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone, again, go definitely follow him uh, and get ready for BDR Appreciation Week coming on February 21st. Awesome. Thanks so much. See you. Thanks for checking out that episode. Start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.